Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, part of the Talent 409 Network. We are helping people discover their talent altitude. On this pod, listeners can learn about leadership and other related attributes from former and current successful business people, coaches, and athletes. Each episode will bring you a conversation with people that display the seven pillars of dynamic leadership. Someone who possesses those seven pillars has courage, drive and accountability, integrity, grit, great communication skills, a high level of emotional intelligence, and they can motivate others. We will also talk with individuals that use their athletic and competitive experiences to lead in life, in business, community, or in their family. For more information on the podcast or Talent 409, please visit talent409.com. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, all at Talent 409, and connect with me on Twitter at ColinTalent409. The Dynamic Leaders Facebook group is also a great way to interact. Type in Dynamic Leaders in your search bar and ask for an invitation to this exclusive group full of leading professionals. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. If you have time, please take a minute and on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. In addition to the five-star rating and review, I want to remind everybody to click the link in the show notes. We are into the final days of the listener survey. If you take that survey, it only takes two to three, four, five minutes max to take. If you take it, you are automatically entered to win a Talent 409 swag bag. So hit pause, take a moment, get it done, get yourself eligible, and then dive back into this podcast. Today's guest on the pod is Corrine Million. Corrine is currently the executive director of Winning Edge, which is a company that she founded with ESPN's Maria Taylor. She's a veteran, former coach, and adjunct professor who has experienced the benefits of mentors and a network of influence. She's worked as a graduate assistant for Pat Summit at Tennessee for the women's basketball team, and now she's made it her life and mission to help women and people of minority find opportunities in the sports world. You're really going to enjoy this conversation. Karina is an awesome individual. I've had an opportunity to be a part of one of her events in the past and hopefully be a part of many more in the future. So let's sit back, relax, get comfortable. But first, our friends from Velvet Revolver. Dynamic Leaders Podcast today. I have my guest, Kareen Million, on the line with me. Kareen, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Colin. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, too. Such a unique thing that you do. I feel like I say that to a lot of my guests, but they really are. Each guest that I bring on is doing something so unique, and a lot of them are doing things in the sports industry, which I know is getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. So, before we get too far away, I want to give you an opportunity to tell the audience, who are you? Well, my name is Corrine, obviously, and I'm a product of two Haitian immigrants. And I like to consider myself a servant leader. I 
served in the United States Air Force, spending time at Springdown Air Base, Germany, and attending the Air Force Academy before making my way to University of Tennessee as a graduate assistant for the legendary Pat Summit. And, in, and along the journey ended up to where I am now, serving as uh, executive director and co-founder of the Winning Guest Leadership Academy, which is a nonprofit I started with ESPN's Maria Taylor to develop the next generation of women and minority leaders in sports and entertainment. So cool. And I think your background is obviously awesome and it's very diverse. And I think that's probably a really common thing that will come up through the course of our conversation many times today. But first, I want to backtrack to the beginnings and talk about your athletic career or anything that you were involved in athletics prior to getting to college. So did you play sports growing up? I did. As I mentioned, as a product of Haitian immigrants, my mom actually didn't do sports. She said nowhere in the Bible did it say Jesus played. (laughs) So when it came to sports, I was pretty much on my own. But one thing she did know is she heard that business deals are done on the golf course. So since the age of seven, I've been playing golf, took golf lessons. And in high school, I played golf. And it was something that really opened my eyes to a culture and a lifestyle that I may not have the opportunity to see. And people assume, looking at my build, that, oh, you must have played basketball or ran track. And I I love to surprise people and say, actually, no, I was on my high school golf team and I played softball in the fall to kind of keep the, uh, keep the body up. But yeah, and I kind of, I had friends who played basketball and everything and obviously knew the game, but um, golf is my passion. I try to play as often as possible. Yeah, that's very cool. And I think I was one of those people that got fooled initially as well, thinking that you, you know, you see that you had the graduate assistant position under Pat Summit of all people, one of the most legendary and successful women's coaches of all time. So you would just make that assumption that, you know, that those things connect and that's where it was. But that's very cool that you started, like you said, just rebelling a little bit, maybe against your mom, maybe, maybe not so much rebelling, but wasn't definitely anything that she probably pushed on you or anything. And then, so you play sports growing up. It's a great opportunity was it before you get to college is that when you decide that you want to go to the air force or when did that come into play i don't know if i should say this but i definitely i graduated at the age of 17 which isn't it's not typical but it's not too surprising and i was kind of sheltered i did i never had like a sleepover i never hung out with a lot of um, my friends outside of like normal business hours. So I definitely felt had I gone to college out of high school, I would have been kicked out in the first semester. <laughs> so I um, took the test and got a call from the Air Force recruiter. And I was like, sure, why not? Let's see what this is going to be. Get a chance to travel the world and really take advantage of the opportunities. And it was there that I really kind of got into to basketball, actually. I ended up, my first coaching job was on base, coaching the Bitburg High School JV girls basketball team, and I fell in love. So that's super interesting that you had 
the foresight to see into your future a little bit at such a young age. I mean, even younger than I know it's just a year, but when you're 17 or 18, I think that year difference is probably bigger than we imagine when we get a little bit older. And you had the foresight to see that maybe you weren't ready for traditional college at that point. And what were, you know, I, I assume maybe some of the things that you were looking for was maybe a little bit of discipline. Like those are usually some of the things that you get out of the Air Force, out of the Army, Navy, those type of things. But were there certain things besides you mentioned the travel, certain things that you were looking for to get out of that experience that could help you transition to what came next in life? I definitely like the idea of, of no matter what, getting a check every month. So that was the security <laughs> okay. of that and knowing that I was going to have a roof over my head. And it's uh, something that I joke about. It wasn't until I turned like, uh, until I got the job at ESPN was the first time I ever had my own place to live, bought furniture and bought real clothes. I'd always had clothes issued to me, whether it was through the military or, or athletics. And everything, my food, everything was always provided. So I never really had to go grocery shopping and all of that. So I liked the structure of that and and kind of meeting all different types of people from all over the world. It really provided kind of the foundation to my charming personality I have now and being able to relate to a lot of different people. And it was something I look back on and I'm so thankful for because it was the first opportunity that I got to really identify the skills that I had that will carry me throughout my journey, the leadership, the communication, the drive and accountability. It all kind of started to form, take form when I was in the military. So what would you say to you know someone who is 16, 17, 18 years old is exploring their options, let's say traditionally after high school and trying to figure out what comes next for A lot of people, I don't know that necessarily any type of uh, military employment comes first to mind. And that's for a whole various amount of reasons, I'm sure. But obviously, there's a lot of great things that come out of an experience like that. And if there are people that maybe are interested in some type of path that's similar to that, or just interested in exploring a path that isn't graduate high school, go to college. So do something different. What would you encourage them to do? Or how would you encourage them to take a look deeper into all that? Because I think that there's a lot of pressure from parents and from guidance counselors and maybe schools in general to take that quote unquote normal, more traditional path of just graduating high school and going to college and putting yourself thousands and thousands of dollars in debt and I don't know why that's the the way that everybody wants to go, but you never really hear people are like, oh yeah, I want to go to the military or I want to go to trade school or something like that. So I don't know if you have any expertise, guidance that you could give our listeners if there's anybody who may be struggling or trying to figure out that decision at this point in their life. Well, one of my favorite musicians said, you only live once. This is the one life that you have and make it your own. And so I encourage people to ask questions and be open to any kind of opportunities. Along my journey, I look back a lot and look at the times where I did something that was off the beaten path from joining the military to going to the Air Force Academy as an enlisted person to going to Bemidji State in the second coldest town in America in Minnesota to ending up at Tennessee 
it was all because I was prepared and open to any opportunities. I can't say that all of these stops along my journey were planned or like I always grew up wanting to work for Pastel Man or I always grew up wanting to work for ESPN. Those just happened because I put myself in a position to not only be prepared for that opportunity, but to showcase to people that this is who I am, this is my skill set, and this is what excites me. This was kind of my purpose. So don't let anyone dictate where you should be or what you should do because at the end of the day, it's the life that you have to live and you have to be content with that. I think it's just about making sure that you are happy and you're continuing to learn and grow and be the best person that you can be. I love that. Thank you for that advice. So let's skip over then back to Pat Summit and to your opportunity as a GA. Can you walk us through like actually how you got that job, like what you had to do in order to work for, I mean, one of the most influential, she's, I think one of the first recognizable names I can think of when I think of sports and college basketball, not just women's sports, but growing up, I mean, Pat Summit's name was all over ESPN and the news and everything like that. So tell us how you got that job to start. I will have to go back and say, earlier you mentioned winning as coach of women's basketball. At the time she retired, she was the winningest coach in all of college basketball. Mm -hmm. So she had uh, 1,098 wins. And at that time, no one had more wins than her on, at any level, at on any in any men's or women's sport. So, but the story of me getting to Rocky Top was very like I don't even know how to describe it. I'm a grinder. Like I do things that most people wouldn't do. And one summer, I was working at a women's or at the time, girls basketball tournament in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was that person that was like, oh, coach, you need some coffee? Let me go get that coffee for you. You want me to find out whose kid is on that team? You need me to find the stats? I was that runner, whatever you need person. And I ran into, at the time, she was at UCLA, Coach Tasha Butts. And she liked my energy and everything. And she introduced me to Dean Lockwood and Holly Warlick. And at the time, I was in college, so... I'm just excited to be talking to anyone who wants to hear what I have to do. So have a conversation, keep in contact. I will go back to school at Bemidji State in Minnesota, and there's an opportunity to do a project where you interview someone that you're interested in being like. So, you know, most people, they just pick up the phone and call their coach or someone that's easy. And I kind of took it like a hundred steps forward and kind of made it into an entire road trip. So I convinced my teacher to let me leave school for about a month and a half. And I arranged for a couple of different stops, working the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament, going down to interview Coach Holly Warlick, who at the time was the associate uh, assistant coach at Tennessee, working the Big 12 Women's Basketball Tournament, NCAA Men's Tournament in New Orleans, NCAA Women's Tournament in Minneapolis, and attending a program at the Women's Final Four. And did the interview with Holly and some other people, went back to school, presented, got an A, of course. Um, but over time, just kept in touch with Holly and congratulated her on wins and did all the all the things to keep myself top of mind. And when the time came for me to graduate 
from Bemidji State, I knew I had the GI Bill, which is Veterans Benefit, so I knew I could get my master's for free. And I was like, well, I'm going to go to grad school. Let me see if somebody will pick me up and put me on staff. Originally wanted to go to Florida State, and they didn't really have a position for me. Reached out to Holly, and at the time, they didn't have a position for me. A couple weeks later, she calls me and says, hey, our GA is leaving. Do you want to come to Knoxville and be our GA? I don't know if that really was a question or if she was just giving me a statement, but I graduated May 15th from Bemidji State, and May 17th, I was in Knoxville getting ready for summer camps and moving to freshman in. So I really just kind of put myself again in a position to be ready for an opportunity, did the little things, kept in contact, showed interest, and um, really came with the energy every time I interacted with someone. I think that's so awesome, the proactive approach that you took towards this. I mean, it was just a regular project, and you took the initiative to change it into something that probably ultimately ended up being life-changing for you where a lot of people that age or even older people, I'm sure they can relate. It's much easier to be a little tentative in that position and to just go by the status quo and do what you're asked and not really push the envelope. All of a sudden you're working for Pat Summit. I mean, that's amazing. And is it safe and fair to say that your aspirations as far as career goals went at that point was to be a coach, maybe even more specifically to be a basketball coach? Yeah, you know, I I started kind of coaching in Germany when I came, my dad passed in 2008 and I kind of lost my way and left college and ended up back home and well, back to where my mom lived in Forsyth County, Georgia, and coached the Central Forsyth uh, women's basketball and football teams. And it's always kind of been an opportunity for me to serve young people. I don't know what it is. I always attribute it to my youth minister because there's like four of us who are serving in that capacity. But serving youth has always been a thing, and just seeing their development and being a part of their journey has always been something that interested me and I thought well if I'm gonna think about being a coach why not learn from one of the greatest coaches of all time the coach of the century let's do it very cool so you spend your time you know working with coach summit and then what happened after that like when did you decide that you were ready to make somewhat of another pivot and ultimately ended up at ESPN what was that journey like and what was that path slash timeline like i definitely knew i didn't want to be a coach again um <laughs> after spending two years on rocky top you know the pat summits the coach k's the Izzo's, that's a one percent of coaches and i think a lot of time young people look at these these coaches and say i want to be like that but if Coach K or, or Pat Selman started their coaching career in today's age, they would be fired in three years. You know, they didn't have that winning record when they started out. And there's now that factor of teams want to, or schools want to win now. And if you aren't bringing the wins, if you aren't doing those things now, then they let you go. And vice versa, coaches are looking for the next big opportunity. So the 38 years at a school, you know, that's not something that is typical anymore. And I wanted to have a family and 
I'm like, ooh, I don't know about this coaching thing. So I actually left Knoxville with three opportunities to go into women's basketball. And I just wasn't feeling it. I actually got a call on my birthday and uh, from the Tennessee staff, like, what is going on, girl? You've been on these interviews, and the coaches are calling us like we haven't heard from Kareem. And at the time, I kind of had an inkling that there may be an opportunity for me to work at ESPN. And I, you know, ESPN is not an easy place to get a job. And, and again, I never grew up saying, oh, my gosh, I want to work at ESPN. I didn't really grow up watching TV or so it was an opportunity that I thought would challenge who I was and I would get additional skill sets so I kind of put my I bet on myself and it paid off that's awesome so you get to ESPN and then what happens from there like do you love the work but not really feel passionate about it long term when do you meet maria like when does the genesis of the winning edge when does that all form and how does that happen i loved what i did at espn i worked in the events department a lot of people don't know espn actually owns about 40 events 10 basketball tournaments 14 bowl games college basketball award show, college football award show, now a softball tournament. And I we did everything but play and coach in the game. So tickets, sponsorship, game operations, team logistics. That was I was in my space. Like I love working with other people outside my department to make an uh, make an event happen. And as a basketball junkie I got to work on some pretty awesome events. The State Farm Champions Classic which features Duke, Michigan State, Kansas, Kentucky every year. We rotate locations as a veteran, working the Armed Forces Classic in Puerto Rico and transforming a hangar on a Coast Guard base into a fully functioning basketball court while they're still operating and saving lives in and out of the hangar was pretty awesome. But I just, I was spending a lot of time and energy on the winning edge. It was something that woke me up in the morning. It, it was what I was thinking about when I was going to sleep at night. I felt like more energy I could put into the winning edge, the better for our mission and the better for the people that we were helping uh, along their journey. So when did that switch ultimately happen? Like what was, what went through your head to say like, Hey, I'm giving this up. I mean, obviously there's a lot of people that work at ESPN and then move on from ESPN and have success. But ESPN is obviously a, a really great place to work and you can get a lot of publicity and a lot of great things can happen. But what was that kind of switch that said, this means more to me, I can do more doing this? Like when exactly and how exactly did that happen? And was it scary? Like <laughs> there's a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast, I think, and they may be at various different levels of development with their own businesses, or maybe they're thinking about starting a business. So I'd love to get some of your insight into some of that as well. Hell yeah, it was scary. I don't know. <laughs> if something doesn't scare you, it's not worth doing. Isn't that what they say? So I think for me, it was a culmination of things that kind of got me to where I am today. One of our first game changers we had in our mentoring program when we started 
she was a student of mine. I was teaching uh, at Johnson C. Smith University in Charlotte. She was a volleyball player, and she ended up being one of our first mentees. And her mother was one of the nine victims in the Charleston Church shooting. And at that point, now we're taking on more of a role of support system. We aren't just taking care of her in a sense of her professional development, but now we're a part of her personal growth. And, you know, as much as I want to say working at ESPN, I could have been a part of her growth and the growth of others. It just was hard. I'm trying to maintain a budget for five different events and make sure the teams have what they need. But all I'm thinking about are our game changers and how they're doing and what do they need from me? How can we help them? And so I think just over time, it just got harder and harder to feel like I was living in my purpose. And I think that's something that happens later in life for a lot of people where they figure out this is what I want to do. And something that I I took away from uh, my time at, at Tennessee with Pat Summit is she told me she uses these players for four years. She expects them to use her for the rest of her life. And that's something that I think coaches may say, but she did. And it was, if you were looking for a job, you could let Pat know she was making a call. It was, I always say there should never be a lady ball without. If you play for, for Tennessee, the door is cracked open for you. You just have to put the effort to get through the door. And I wanted to be a force that could provide that crack for people. And it, it wasn't something that I just went from ESPN to the winning edge. I definitely made a transition and, and went down to Florida and sold socks for a little bit and realized that, am I really selling socks right now? Or am I really just trying to pay bills while I do the winning edge, you know? And I'm so thankful, even though my mom doesn't do sports, the only sports my mom knows is Brittany Griner and Lady Vols. <laughs> so to say, hey, mom, I'm going to do this full time has was an interesting conversation, but she supported me. And she said, well, come on home and let's do this. And it's been and. Not only did she support me, but Maria Taylor supported the decision as well. And she's always, not only are we co-founders of The Winning Edge, but she's someone that I look to for peer guidance and provided that clarity to say, this is what you want to do, then just do it. And I think not too many people have a circle that can really encourage them and challenge them to be their best selves every day. Let's dive a little bit deeper into the company then. And I want to start, just because you mentioned Maria, I want to start with working with a partner and having a co-founder for your business. I'd love to have your insight because I think there are so many more solopreneurs in today's entrepreneurial world than ever before. To have somebody on here who has a co-founder, who has somebody, like you said, to share that vision and get that clarity and bounce ideas off of. Maria does her own thing. You do your own thing during times, but you work together on this venture, work to make that the best it can be. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about the dynamic of the relationship and how that works. And if you see that as being, it seems like you see it as being a positive, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Definitely. What I say a lot of times is 
between Maria's platform and my charm, we're changing the game. And Maria will cut in and say she also has charm. Well, she does, but I don't have the platform, so I got to get the charm. It's something that I don't know if the winning edge would get the positive attention that it gets without Maria's platform. We use her schedule as an opportunity to engage with different student-athletes on campus. We use not only my contacts, um, but her contacts to gain support. And it's just, and, and sometimes you just need someone to remind you that, hey, we're on the right track, or hey, maybe that's too much. And and it's not just Maria. We have other people um, who work in the sport industry that provide that support. But Maria and I definitely have really, from day one, when we were yelling at each other and crying as we, filled out the paperwork for to become a nonprofit officially for our tax purposes to creating our bylaws to our mission. We were in the trenches together and as time has gone on and I've stepped into this role as executive director, it's been refreshing to to know that Maria trusts me to make the decisions that ultimately affect her brand as well. You know, when people think of Maria in times you know, when she's been interviewed or people, a lot of times they're bringing in the winning edge to that. And so if we're not doing what we're supposed to do or we're not living up to our mission, that's a reflection on her. And as her schedule has grown with college game day and all these other events, she isn't able to be in the trenches with me as much, but she definitely has a lot of input on the decisions that we make and the way we move forward and I'm so thankful that I don't always have to do it by myself because it can be hard especially when you think that what you're doing is living in your purpose having someone else kind of reaffirm that is always a benefit are you an all-or-nothing person do you find you're either on or off the health and fitness wagon sweat with stods has a program that helps you turn habits and fitness into a lifestyle. Healthy Habits is a program designed to help you make lasting incremental changes in your life that culminate into six new healthy habits. No working out required. With a few intentional minutes every day, you can have a huge impact on your health and life. This program focuses on water intake, steps per day, veggie intake, meditation, gratitude, and stretching six habits that will help you look and feel your best and my listeners get a discount head to sweatwithstods.com and enter the code dynamic at checkout for ten dollars off this program i've done this program and one of the best things that came from it for me was to incorporate stretching and meditation into my daily routine it does work it's not an overnight process but it's easy it's incremental and you should really give it a try. And now back to the pot. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting how you notate it, the fact that both of your individual contributions in the way that you perform, in the way that you present yourself in the public eye, really do have a high level of representation on the overall brand that you're working on together. So even though you're partners and you work together, some of the, that is individualized and it's important to recognize that no matter who's got the public platform or who's doing what, 
that you're putting your best foot forward because you represent the brand together. And if one of you messes up, then that affects both of you. Or if one of you says something that isn't aligned with your vision, then that goes for both of you. So I think that's just a really cool dynamic. And it's awesome that it seems like you have such a good working relationship that the trust is there and that you're able to do the things that you want to do in order to succeed and thrive. Definitely. But don't let it fool you. It didn't happen overnight. It's like two type A personalities for sure. Like Maria is a two sport athlete at Georgia. I was like, in my mind, I'm going to be a fighter pilot. And so now you're bringing those personalities together. And we butt heads, but I think we both recognize that it makes us better. And we also are business partners and, and other things. And I don't think I would want to do what we're doing with the winning edge with anyone else. That's awesome. Very cool. So why did you decide as a business model that you wanted to work with women and minority people to create leaders and to create individuals that could be a part of the future networks of influence. Why was it important for you to specific those two target groups? I mean, I think it's something we see every day. When we look on the football field, when we look on the basketball court, and we're seeing a certain type of demographic on the court, but then we see a different demographic in decision-making positions, there's a disconnect. When 85% of a football team is a person of color, but there are less than 10 head football coaches of color at BCS level, you have to wonder, okay, is it a lack of opportunity? Is it it a lack of interest? What is the problem here? And we never wanted to get into this and be complainers. We always wanted to be solution-driven. And instead of saying, okay, for every 100 people you have in your organization, you should have X number of women and X number of minorities. We said, we want to make sure that there are no excuses to give women and minorities a chance and opportunity. So we wanted to develop those underrepresented groups because they are consumers just as much as everyone else. And the demographic of America is changing. I believe a couple of years ago was the first time in America that there were more minority children born in the U.S. than the majority white population. And that's, I mean, that's going to continue to be a thing. And we want to make sure that everybody is ready for their seat at the table. Yeah, and I can definitely relate to a little bit of what you're saying. I'm proud to say that my school, Penn State, with Coach James Franklin and the school where I grew up, Syracuse University with Coach Dino Babers, are two of those 10 to 12 schools that have minority leaders at the helm for football specifically. And being in HR as long as I was in recruiting and understanding what diversity does for the culture of an organization at the corporate level and now translating that into what I do in my business model for athletics and in the sports industry, it is such a super important aspect to finding success and to being innovative and learning about new cultures and different ideas. And I mean, if you're hanging out with the same type of people all the time, you're going to get stagnant. You're going to just be able to, you're not going to be able to learn from each other because you all have gone through the same experiences or very similar type experiences. Obviously all people are different, but it's really important to me. And this is the 
first hand education that I got in the corporate world that the diversity piece is important. And now I've extended that into my business model. So for you to have really taken the reins on that with your nonprofit and to see that, I mean, I had the opportunity, I was lucky enough to go to one of your dinner of influences in Charlotte and some of the women that I got to talk to at the dinner that night, I mean, just to hear the drive and the excitement and the things that they wanted to do and know that they're going to make a significant impact in whatever industry it is, what they do in the future, because they've already started to take those steps towards success. I mean, it was when I came home that night, I was telling my wife, I was, I had such a high, it was so great. I was already following you a little bit by that point and everything, obviously, but like really started following uh, even closer after that and and just liking everything that you're doing. So I, I think it's really cool. And it, all that being said, it still must be a challenge, right? I mean, you mentioned it. There's obviously still a really big disconnect between the people of influence at the minority and women, you know, those type of people being in that position. But I'd have to imagine just even at your level, like where you meet these kids and maybe they're in college and they have aspirations, but they don't have a lot of role models to look towards, or maybe they, you know, are one of the first in their families to get to this point in their education or something like that. Like, what are some of the challenges that you've encountered as a business? Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to our mission. And not only do we want to develop the talent, but we want to kind of bridge that gap of experience. And what we found was that a lot of times it just, the reason they weren't being seriously considered for opportunities was because they lacked experience. So what we did is we kind of just forced our way in and we use, again, Maria's platform. And when she would, be on on location for college game day, boom, here's a student, and they're going to be in a production meeting, and the only people that look like them may be that student and Maria, but they're still going to be in the room. And I think the challenge is a lot of times is just being comfortable with that. Even for me, sometimes I find myself looking around, and I'm like, okay, this could go one of two ways. If I'm the only one that looks like me in this room, I could be silent. I could feel intimidated. I could feel like I am the voice for all things women or all things uh, minority. But instead, we embrace that and we say, this is the situation that we have right now. We're going to take it and make the best of it. And that's what we do. We go in and we kind of change that conversation. And I think uh, one of the biggest challenges that we have is just educating people of influence and we're so thankful when we go on site for with these ESPN events and we are working with Nell Fortner and Coach Andy Landers is that they're totally open to having this young lady on set with them shadowing Maria and they just take the time to hear why we're doing this and to talk to that student who like you said may be a first generation college student or they're only purpose was to play ball and that's what they're going to do and they take the time to talk to them and and drop knowledge and understand that this experience is important for their journey and without this opportunity to grow their network or gain this experience they may not have the opportunity to be successful in sports business because a lot of times if they're getting that internship they do it for six months or a year 
and then they're kind of leaving because they don't have the role model, like you said. They don't really understand business acumen. But when they feel like, hey, I have an ally in this office, so I know I can reach out to Mel Fortner and say, hey, coach, you know, this is something I'm, I'm having an issue with, or Maria, or myself, they have someone that they can kind of get advice from and kind of calm them down a little bit and give them a little bit more confidence in what they're doing. Because a lot of times we're dealing with student athletes, so they don't like to lose. They're very competitive and they want to be the best. But if they knew better, they would do better. And so we try to educate them and put them in a space where they're gaining as much exposure and experience as possible. Very cool. So you've been doing this since 2014, correct? Yeah, we, we put our paperwork in this. We stopped, We had the conversation during both season of 2014. I was in Boca Raton and she was in Texas doing bowl games. And we're like having this conversation and we put our paperwork in January 2015. And our first few years we had mentoring and we took a year off to kind of figure out what we wanted to do. And the last two years we've been focused on individual engagement on campus engagement and our programming which is the game changer retreat and just announced our sports and entertainment summit in la awesome so you've had a lot of great experiences and a lot of changes a lot of challenges what's been one of the best things or the best parts of doing this venture with maria i think the best part is like now when we go places or when we go to these events and talking to someone and before it was like we're having to introduce someone to the winning edge and give the whole spiel but now when we talk to someone they're usually like oh yeah i've actually heard about this so i knew maria was doing something like this or i've been wanting to get involved with this for a while and our support system has grown and it's just so great to not feel like we have to shoulder the burden of influence the next generation ourselves. There's so many people now that want to get involved and are getting involved in the right way. I, I always tell people, you don't have to build a school in Africa or sign a $2 million check. A lot of times it's just your time that is so valuable to their experience and getting people to like... Even this weekend at the Women's Final Four, I text someone who works at ESPN and asked, hey, do you mind if this young lady shadows you? And it was without hesitation, sure. You know, and it's like that firsthand experience could be a game changer for that person. Or when we have a dinner of influence, like I don't have to tell people like, oh, you have to buy your own breakfast. Somebody comes in and understands how important and valuable this experience is and picks up breakfast for everybody. So those are the most rewarding experiences right now is knowing that people are starting to see and understand our value. You mentioned Game Changer, and I love your hashtag, we game change. Who came up with that? I did. I am like the lamest person when it comes to social media. I don't watch TV. Like, Maria had to make me get internet and a computer when we started the Winning Edge. It, it was like, this has been a journey, but I've had a lot of conversations with people about our branding and stuff because as much as I don't like social media, I understand our demographic is on social media and that's how you grow your brand. So I've been trying to embrace it a lot more. I also have interns now that can help with that. But uh, yeah, 
I, at first I thought it was too long or it was like rain, but now I just use it. And now it's so like, it brings a smile to my face when I see other people use it when talking about the, um, the winning edge. Yeah. I think it's a great hashtag and obviously really fits your business and the things that you're doing and the target audience and everything. I mean, who doesn't want to be a game changer? So I think you did a really good job for not being an expert on social media. Thanks. I will take that. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, so I want to move on to the learning and development portion of this podcast. And a lot of the reason that people listen to the podcast is obviously to get the insight and learn from other people's experiences and background like we just walked through with you, but also because they want to learn a little bit more specifically about leadership. And at Talent 409, we talk a lot about the seven pillars of dynamic leadership. And today, you had identified a couple specific pillars that you wanted to talk a little bit more in detail about. And the first pillar that you wanted to talk about was drive and accountability. Why does that pillar stand out to you? Well, I think between the military, between Pat Summit, and between being an entrepreneur, which I will tell you was a title I didn't embrace at first, you have to be accountable. You have to be driven. There's no way I am where I am today and had the experience I have if I wasn't driven. I'm an only child. I don't have cousins or anybody that I can put my uh, hat on and say, oh, do you know so-and-so? Everything was based on my reputation, and I always wanted my reputation to be one of hard work and high energy. So I had to be driven. I had to put in the, the effort to make that happen and just being accountable for myself at times when I didn't want to wake up at five in the morning for another 14 hour day at a basketball tournament. I knew that this basketball tournament could provide me with two conversations with people that would set me up. So I had to be accountable. I have to be accountable now as an executive director because now people are expecting a certain performance from us. I can't just say that we're changing the game if we're not. I can't, you know, the dinners of influence was something new that we started to take on the road because we had them at our retreat. But if I, I can't make something just once a year. I have to make sure that we're changing the game 365 days a year. So being accountable to our mission has really provided me with the drive to wake up. And working from home is not as glamorous as people may uh, may think because it's so easy to like fall into watching Maury or there's like 72 judge shows on TV. But, uh, (laughs) to just say, hey, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to have these phone calls, I'm going to make these emails and get them out to people because without, if I don't, then it doesn't happen. So that is something that I believe has really set us apart from a lot of different organizations who may think they're doing what we're doing. Yeah, and I will also tell you that I don't totally love the word entrepreneur as well. I think it's way too singular for the type of work that we do. So totally get where and you're coming people, from there. And I think too, like, it's like 
what's trending. Everybody wants to work for themselves and like mm-hmm. millennials just want to be like, I don't want to work for the man. And I'm like, I actually like working and having structure and going into an office and stuff like that. And so someone actually schooled me on the social entrepreneur and I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. <laughs> awesome. The other pillar that you wanted to touch on during the course of our conversation today is courage. And I think we've heard from your firsthand personal experience, the different times where you had the courage to take huge leaps and try different things. But give us your expertise and your insight on courage as it relates to you and your thoughts. Yeah, I am fearless. I literally think I'm fearless. The only things I'm afraid of is falling up the steps and tripping while running because I'm always doing the the most. But I'm not afraid of like the typical like snakes and spiders and heights and all these things or failing. I literally just go in and whatever happens, happens. And if you go in with that mentality, there's nothing stopping you. A lot of times the reason people don't do something is because of what they're telling themselves. And I project that so much that People challenge me, my friends challenge me, and even when I'm, like, debating something or I'm kind of going back and forth or something, they remind me, like, get it, go after it, this is who you are, this is what you're about, and I'm so thankful for people like that, I'm so thankful that people recognize that about me, because it's not, I think it's something a lot of people think that they have, but when they get to the edge of of something, they get nervous. They take a step back. They start questioning. They want to get other people's opinion. And I love feedback, and I love to get insight from people. But at the end of the day, if this, it's a decision that I have to make. It's a decision that will either move us forward or set us back for whatever it is. I'm going to own it. I've been through three basic trainings. Not because I failed, but because of the different times I've had to go through them. And I can't imagine going in being afraid of what's going to happen or going into developing a nonprofit and thinking, okay, this is how it's going to be and whatever else is out of this, we're not going to do. Where we are now, I don't think we would have imagined five years ago. But I'm thankful that we had the courage to every time step into a new space and to take feedback from other people. And especially like the student athletes, they're very honest. They'll tell you like, oh, man, that was whack. But to have the courage to one, ask for their feedback and to take it to take it and put it into use. So I don't know if it's my upbringing and being an only child and not knowing like I don't have a sister or brother who tried it before and it worked or didn't work. Like, I had to try it. I had to do it first. And I embraced that having to do it first and seeing what happens because it it made me the person I am today. Thank you so much for that insight as it relates to the pillars. And one of the other things I find really interesting about leaders such as yourself is what their personal growth path is like and how they continue to improve their leadership skills, their attributes, where they find their resources, you know, what do they listen to? And I know you mentioned you're not really big into social media or things like that, but are there any influences like as far as podcasts goes or maybe books that you read, authors that you read that help you with your own personal development? A lot of my personal development 
comes from conversations with people. And I love to talk to strangers in any industry, whether they're on the street or at a convention, to hear their perspective or get their idea. I'm not tooting my own horn, but lately I've been traveling first class, and I found myself having a lot more insightful conversations with the person sitting next to me, just because usually they are a business person or a high-functioning professional, and I'm able to get a lot of advice from them. I'm also an NPR freak. Like, I wake up listening to NPR, go to sleep listening to NPR, when I'm in the car, I'm listening to NPR, and just... Keeping up with current affairs helps me become the leader I am because it, again, allows me to relate to a lot of different people. Try to keep up with e-newsletters. So Front Office Sports is a great one that I subscribe to. They're really good on providing the headlines and the hits on what's going on in sports business. Again, for me, my development comes from the conversations, from the people out there, because I I am a people person, and I'm in the in the business of human potential. So there's no better way to grow than hearing from other humans. So you can't just dangle in front of us the fact that you fly first class and not tell us how that happened or what that actually means. So can you give us a little insight into that? No, I mean, it was like, you know, back in the day, you're like, at the cheapest flight, whatever, just get there to get there. And, you know, over time, I realized, and this kind of goes into a lot of the growth that I've had, is book ahead of time. There's not really a huge price difference between main cabin and first class, but I realized the quote-unquote perks that come along with traveling that way is an investment that I have in myself. The big part of it, again, is just the conversations and interactions that I have. I'm a little more relaxed when I travel. I'm not sitting in the middle seat between two people that I don't know. When I went to, last year, I went to, I can't remember, I went out of the country, and I was on this long flight with this guy. He's like CFO of this huge company, and we literally were talking the entire flight about his family, about his growth, about his journey. And I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm really having this conversation if I'm not sitting in first class. I'm not saying it wouldn't happen, but it happens more often than not in traveling that way. And just like, you know, I like to have my coffee and like right when I sit down and these little things. And I, I feel a lot more relaxed when I go, when I come off the plane and I have to go straight into a meeting with someone. I didn't have to like wait behind 37 rows of people to get off the plane. I'm like, booyah, got my bag in the car, doing my thing. I'm feeling really refreshed. But I don't want like, I'm still pretty basic and like, again, I don't have cable and all these things. But that experience is something that I invest in because I've seen the benefits of of traveling that way. Yeah, and I think that's so cool and such a unique perspective. That's why I wanted to ask you about it. And it makes me think, I mean, I'm such a planner, especially with things when it comes to flights that I'm wondering in my head right now if it makes sense to, you know, like you said, kind of eat that difference because of the additional value that you get out of it and the people that you might meet and just the overall comfort level and experience that you get. And if it's not a huge price difference, like why not do it? And I think so many of those things, I mean, that's just one example of a 
personal investment that you can make to improve the experience that you have in your life. And I think that's such a cool one that I've never had a conversation with anyone about that before. So I definitely appreciate it. Well, it first came about one time Maria was doing basketball game day. She was coming on a flight from Virginia and she had a conversation with this guy on the, on the flight. Obviously, people are having conversations with her because they're, like, excited to see her. But she had this one conversation on the flight, and by the time they landed, I got an email that this individual had donated a substantial amount of money. And this was from one company. This person didn't had never heard about the winning guest, didn't know what we were about. But from one conversation with Maria, this person supported our mission in more ways than just financial. And I'm like, okay, these are the people that are doing this. They don't have to like ask permission from somebody to do it. They're just doing it. And I had never really seen that before. So that kind of changed my perspective. Very cool. So I know you've talked a lot about Maria today and a lot about your mom being people of influence throughout your life and people that you look towards for guidance and advice. But I always like to ask my guests if they want to shout out one individual who's a dynamic leader and encompasses a lot of what we talked about throughout the course of our conversation. Is there anyone in addition to those two or do you want to shout them out again? Who stands out to you in your life? I would have to say Holly Warlick, which may seem... I don't know the word right now, knowing her current situation, but the leadership that Holly Warlick displayed as a player, as a coach at the University of Tennessee, I've always been a fan of. Without Holly's influence, I'm not at University of Tennessee. I don't have the foundation of network and just insight to create something like the Winning Edge. Her loyalty was something that I actually acknowledged to her for the first time last week that I couldn't have asked for a better example of what loyalty looks like. And I'm so thankful for her presence in my life. If I have half the impact and influence that Holly has made on the lives of others, I, I, will, I will leave this earth a fulfilled person. That's awesome. That's obviously you know someone who can make that impact on you when you first met them and still to this day, all these years later, still has that same type of influence. Obviously means that they're doing something right and they are a dynamic leader for better or worse moving forward. But with that being said, I want to give you an opportunity here. Anything that is happening in your life or with the winning edge coming up that you want to talk about that's exciting. I'll give you some time to chat about that. Yeah, not too much. Uh, I just say, you know, if you have a skill or some type of added value that you think would be beneficial to the game changers for the winning edge, whether that's resume review or interview prep, we'd love to hear from you. We try not to rely so heavily on single sources of resources. We try to create a network of people who see our vision and, and support our mission. So hit us up. You know, the our website is winningedgeleadership.org. We're on social at the WE Leadership, uh, all the all platforms. 
we do our best. And if there's something, if you have an idea, if you want to partner, a lot of what we do now, it comes from the idea of someone saying, hey, I want to try this out. And I'm always about trying something as long as it doesn't cost me an arm and a leg. But we are mission of the people we are nothing without people so we always are looking to engage with people who not only want to develop themselves but want to develop others we also have like i mentioned earlier our first event out west which i'm excited about in beverly hills for student athletes who are interested in sports and entertainment. So that's like movies and film and books and all of that. If you're interested, you can visit our website and sign up for that. That's exciting. And we're just growing our partnerships. A lot more organizations and corporations want to get involved with us. So we're always excited for that. And at the end of the day, we just want people to understand that everybody can eat. Not just a certain percentage, but you know, it's not a pie. Don't just take a piece and somebody else doesn't get a piece. Everybody can enjoy the opportunity of being successful. So I appreciate the time to share our story, share my story, and to really provide an insight into how easy it is to influence tomorrow's leaders today. Kareen, if anyone wants to specifically get in touch with you, maybe they hear this conversation and want to pick your brain for some guidance or advice or just want to touch base with you specifically about the academy, is there any way in particular that you like to connect with people, either via email, Twitter, something like that? If you visit our social media, like on Instagram, there's an email button that goes directly to me. But my email is Corrine, C-O-R-I-N-N-E, at winningedgeleadership.org. This is, this is what I do every day, all day. So love to hear from people. And yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty flexible and open to hearing ideas and hearing what other people have to say. Awesome. So I'll make sure I put that along with all the other social media links and the website link that you mentioned earlier in the show notes for our guests or excuse me for our listeners to take a look at easy reference like we do with all of our guests but uh, Karina I really can't thank you enough for all of your time today and the insight that you provided and walking us through your experiences and telling us about the great things that you and Marie are doing with the academy and certainly wish you the best of luck glad we were able to connect looking forward to seeing all your successes in the future and hopefully being a part of some of those dinner of influences in the future as well. But thank you again so much for your time today. Thank you, Colin. Looking forward to hearing the growth of your influence and, and I appreciate your attendance at our event. Thanks again to Kareen for hopping on the podcast today and sharing such a unique experience. She's really one of a kind and what she's doing with Maria and the things they're doing for women and people of color and different minorities in general. It's really just an awesome cause. And I encourage you to check out the links to The Winning Edge and everything about her and try to get involved in one way or another. But can't thank her enough for coming on the show. I want to say thank you to my sponsor, Sweat With Stods. As always, please visit www.sweatwithstods.com and see what she can do for your fitness future. And thanks, as always, to you, the listeners. You did it. Five podcasts in the month of April. 
We are on to May next month. We are on to Teachers and Coaches Appreciation Month on the podcast. So stay tuned for that. 